that record button as soon as possible so we can get yeah get our guests talking so much shit about Dave on that <laughs> podcast they host together. We're coming back tomorrow, and uh, I know people are excited. They've been waiting, <laughs> uh, checking, uh, refreshing their their uh, uh, podcast app uh, daily. What in the world is that behind you? I know you're not talking to me because I'm I'm honoring Diane oh, Keaton right no. on my shoulder. Jared no, has fine. one favorite on the First Wives Club, and that's the only one that he sent me a text about earlier today. He excluded the other two entirely. Is that Matt Miller? I can't really tell with that hey, damn, blonde hair. Damn right it is. Jared's favorite. <laughs> now, is that I a serious one. thing? Is that a? Were you hot for her when you were watching this? Please movie? tell me you're recording, Jared. No, Please tell me. You're oh, I'm recording. <laughs> If I give you any more collagen, your lips are going to look like they got stuck in a pool drain. Good morning, Marlon. Morning, Miss Elliot. Leave me alone. I'm very fragile right now. What is that fragrance? It means Milano, Chips Ahoy. Mmm, Melamar. Hey, Bob. Hi, sweetie. Hello. Hi. You know, you're in a gay bar. I know, honey. I know, and that's what's so great. There's just so many nice lesbians. Just mm-hmm. everywhere you look, there's lesbians. What's the matter? She's a Come on, Elise, you can tell me. The cheekbones, the jawline. Did you just have a little bit of the Fulivana? Okay. All right, I have been fresh enough already. <laughs> what do they do with the stuff they take off? You get to keep it? I gave Aaron a home. I washed shorts, I ironed them, and I starched them. Oh, you did? Yeah, well, I mean, I supervised. Hello. What's the matter, Morty? Can't you buy our whole dress? At least, hi, I'm Phoebe. I've seen all your movies, and I want to be just like you. Only me. <gasps> he brought her to my son's apartment. Is she a gift? I mean, what are we talking about? Are we talking about revenge? No, I am talking about justice. Put it in there. Okay, First Wives Club, we'll come to order. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ba, 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 ba. Don't you touch that. Brother, come on, stop it. You don't own me. Don't try to change me in any This is about justice. Hello, sunshine. Wake up and smell the earth. Happy days. Bet Midler, Goldie Hawn, Diane Keaton. We're so 90s. We can help them rise, we can help them fall. The First Wives Club. Ladies, remember what? Don't get mad. Get everything. Oh, God. <laughs> I had one for you, buddy. Is that Tara Reed? Tara Reed? Who That's, is that? No, it's a human fridge. It's Kate Upton. Upton. Kate. Oh, okay. I was like, who... Well, that's more it's of an that's more of an in, insult to Derek because I'm like, why is he reacting with such disgust? It has to be Tara Reed. Oh no, everything looks uh, in order there. Stomach is still without scars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough wrinkles, cellulite. Who would have had an American Pie that? Uh, uh, I guess the the band chick would have uh, aged the best. Is that Allison Hannigan, the uh, the redhead? I think she right? looks, for the most part, the same, doesn't she? Maybe slightly yeah. older. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. What about um, Sh- what was her name? She was so popular. In Elizabeth, Shannon. Shannon. Elizabeth Shannon. Elizabeth Shannon. <laughs> it's one of two first names. Two first names. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think I think she's all right. I don't know what she's doing now. She was on one of those uh, like celebrity reality shows, but um, you know, it's hard to gauge on those sort of things. Like, oh, she seems like the smartest one. I don't I don't know if that's a compliment or not. This uh, sounds like every episode I've listened to of Sober Cinema thus far. If Hyro was here, she, you would have something to say about her stupid toe or something. It would be... Yeah, Derek. Uh, me and Jared uh, defend women. Look at him. He's a man who loves Bette Midler. Where is I lo- this Hyro? I, I love he was that girl. The third host. Listen to a couple episodes. I haven't seen him. We've, haven't heard him. We've had some complaints about him. <laughs> we, uh, we chose to have a different minority on for the uh, podcast. <laughs> Everyone welcome our hey. guest, uh, Derek Stewart. <laughs> Here to talk about white women is me. Uh, Everybody loves white women. There's <laughs> seven pages of my notes that I can't use now. <laughs> Three glorious white women to talk about. All right, I'll, I'll start, start us off proper. Derek's already promoted his... I don't even know if you mentioned the podcast name. I don't think you did. We don't speak <sighs> it here. <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> So it's uh, your list, my command. Uh, it's myself and Dave G. <laughs> say can you even name. pronounce your co-host's last name? G- Jared, Giannini. Jared right? can. Jared. Giannini. <laughs> <laughs> I just want Dave to know I am not laughing at any of that. Dave Gondola. <laughs> Editor Mike just dropped the trailer for First Wives Club so we can get that out of the way and go about our business. Out of way, Bobby! Yo, Bobby! Uh, all right, where were we? Um, this was, Jared, the number one yes. uh, grossing new release for September 20th, 1996, competing only against uh, Bruce Willis in something called Last Man Standing. That's, is that like a Tim Allen sitcom That's now? really fitting. I don't know what this is. I don't know what that is. Uh, I think I think this is like a remake of a spaghetti western, and yeah, doesn't really fit the mid nineties with uh, Bruce Willis. So uh, we went with something that, as our guest has alluded to, First Wives Club fits more in the sober cinema wheelhouse uh, entirely, um, where we celebrate women at every turn. Always, every, every episode I've ever listened to. <laughs> Especially the one where um, Jared is defending Whoopi Goldberg's looks. Just listen to that one the other day. A handsome dame, I tell you. I almost left every chat I'm in with him. <laughs> That's, I'm just being honest. That is not entirely fair because Derek and I uh, do a show called The Grand Gesture. And I was actually re-listening back to an episode on Ghost. And I felt like, Derek, you and I were simpatico and that we did not want to see a threesome between uh, Patrick Swayze inhabiting the body of Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore. But I do think our guest, Tangible Teddy, was all for it. So he's the only one that can play that card that he's ready to see. That's on brand. That sounds... That That fits him. And I believe him. I I believe him. So first... We know he's king. (laughs) First Wives Club. uh, Maybe this one's out there for the teddies of the world. Uh, is about, I won't say old, I'll just say older women, because uh, I believe all of the leading ladies here were turned 50, I think, when they filmed this. Um, actually, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll just derail myself a little bit. 
Um, do we think that in 2021 that 50 year old women would sort of play up their age like this to this extent? Like I'm thinking like, how does Marissa Tomei and she's like hot, hot aunt may she's not playing old out to pasture aunt may in the new Spider-Man movies, but so like, that just a cultural shift that we're in now where we don't really either highlight the fact that these women are older or they just, women don't look their age as much anymore. They were acting like they were like 75 or 80, like the, they're ready to kill over. And I, I realize that this is a broad comedy, but I just don't know if, you know, whatever the modern version of Goldie Hawn, Diane Keaton, Bette Midler would lean into it that hard. If they had just turned 50, as far as like, damn, like we are the crypt keepers here. Like no one wants us anymore. It, it seems... So if you did like a remake with Halle Berry, Sam Hayek, and Marissa Tomei, oh. does that work? Yes. Do we do we buy that? Well, at it all? works. Do what? I wasn't paying attention. Do what now? <laughs> so should we applaud them for this, Derek? That they're 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 allowing themselves to be, I mean, made fun of. To the it's the premise of the film is that uh, that old it's uh, weird Amy Schumer <laughs> bit like that one thing like the, yeah. the the last fuckable day of a woman. Um, but yeah, I don't think it would happen now and i think people would find it weird if certainly with halle perry and salma hayek uh people would be like that premise makes no sense doesn't that fit uh of the three like kind of diane keaton's kind of shtick when you think about it she's often especially in comedies allows herself to kind of be i don't know the butt of the joke like her neuroticism Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't really it surprised me that, that for her, it's something like really easy to lean into, right? Like even her character sure in the it film itself, man alive. <laughs> I started to think, I was like, let me think, let me, let me think about this. So Goldie Hawn and that other woman that's behind Jared's head right now. Show some respect. And they cast Diane Keaton. Just like, like Jared did they is. have to, yeah, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, I can't respect her the way Jared's going to tonight, but, um, <laughs> but, I was thinking they probably had to age poor Diane Keaton up because if there's any anyone that's ageless in Hollywood, it's her. I was going to say, she's looked like that forever. <laughs> the glasses and the... Uh... What about Played Against Sam? You ever seen that? She looks 14. Well, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> now that you said 14, <laughs> my Google's... <laughs> Age ain't nothing but a number. That's what this movie taught me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will say, so it fits, I think it fits her perfectly fine because that's just, I mean, she's like the bumbling, silly person, right? And so I'm not surprised they're like, well, play into the fact that you're older. I, and even if you want to go at Jared's point where, you know, a situation where she's kind of always played maybe even a little older than she is, like even in, like Annie Hall, she's supposed to be really, really young and she's kind of ditzy. Of course but she, she is. Pl- of course she is, right? <laughs> the Woody Allen oh, film. Oh mm-hmm. God! Yep. But she, you know, she she's always kind of done that in these roles. Uh, when you're when you're not talking about like the dramatic stuff with Godfather or whatever. Uh, the other two, they're you know, I'm I'm thinking if I'm uh, uh, what what's her name, Jared? What's your person's Ooh. name? Yeah, exactly. The third, <laughs> Terry. Uh, Terry. Terry. So if I'm Beth Midler, I'm th- I'm thinking I probably have to take this role because what else is there out there for me at my age in the nineties? Wow. But this the is guess my is coming on, point. Coming on hot. We support women here, sir. How Listen, dare you? In, in prepping to guest, I had to go back and listen to all the misogynistic shit talking y'all been doing. I said I gotta keep up. I gotta. I mean, this is just the game. This is satire, sir. You don't understand. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you, oh, you really don't hate women. Okay. But, I mean, think about, it. like, what, other than, like, Hocus Pocus, and maybe there are some, just some blind spots for me. Like, what were, you know, what was she doing, really, in this era? It, like, it doesn't make sense, like, on a silver platter for them to say, well, you will cast you. Uh, you get to play up the fact that you are an aging person, and we know how historically Hollywood has treated uh, older women in film anyway. They've kind of been discarded, so... You know, you kind of jumped at that chance. Whereas, like you said, you flash forward to 2021, and it's not uncommon for Marissa Tomei to be Aunt May, but the hot Aunt May. And and we we lean into the fact that they're almost ageless stars now. And so, I I don't know. That's basically all I have to say. I I have no idea (laughs) what I've been saying for two minutes. I'll defend (laughs) Bette Midler only slightly. Um, She had an... Prior film credit was for Get Shorty, which is, uh, you know, unfortunately says uncredited, but she is a supporting player in that as, um, uh, do either one of you uh, remember this or have seen Get Shorty? Uh, no. It's been the a long of, time. The entirety of her character is to uh, come on to Gene Hackman and to <laughs> bend him to her will. Uh, she shows up at his office um to uh what a siren that they've picked <laughs> yeah, you know I, th- this has quickly become like a uh visual uh <laughs> podcast unfortunately for whatever listeners we have um but jared i think i could change your mind with you know a few pictures that i'll, I'll put in our uh text thread with bet midler a bet you want to change my mind on bet well, I mean, I'm just talking to the, the vice president of her fan club. So, you know, I'm just going to affirm what you already know. He's going to lean in. I would agree with Derek that she, it looked like she'd already sort of taken her foot off the gas as far as um, Hocus Pocus may have been the peak, which I don't know. We're just coming off of Halloween as we record this. That's become some sort of like 90s kid classic that it really wasn't for my memory right. in the 90s i don't remember it being thought of as uh in high regard but i guess just being played over and over uh, holiday films tend to do that anyway they get a lot of like repeat uh value on tv um, if you take that five-year difference in our ages you know the movie like a movie like hocus pocus in my childhood was probably as big as almost uh like nightmare before christmas all right if that right. if that, yeah, that makes you any, yeah okay. yeah um but yeah, not not so much. It's uh, you know, a lot of guest appearances, <laughs> some video shorts, which I'm assuming are music videos. Uh, one Jared, you may be interested in, called "To Deserve You," which uh, came out in '95. Uh, Go on YouTube and check that out. Uh, yeah, the one that I thought was kind of leaning in this direction even more was uh, Goldie Hawn. I think in '92 did a movie called "Death Becomes Her" with Meryl Streep, which is about two women pursuing. Uh, immortality uh, through, hmm. uh, you know, witchcraft, drugs, whatever it is. It's, it's got this fantastical bit, but uh, there's clearly some satire there as far as the the society's, I guess, pressure to stay young, in particular with women. Because in that film, I mentioned Bruce Willis at the top of this as far as him getting thrashed by the uh, First Wives Club at the, uh, the box office. Uh, he has played as completely hapless. I believe he... Um, is not cool bald <laughs> Bruce Willis, but like uh, comedic bald. Uh, the hair is like receded back and is like usually looks like a Jack Nicholson in The Shining, except not <laughs> not terrifying, but just like mm-hmm. a dork. And yet you have these two women in that film trying to stay young to impress him. So there's some mm. added commentary there. Uh, in this one, 
I think you only really get that with probably the Bette Midler segment where she's, uh, you know, we'll stay on that 90s bent. Uh, the husband that leaves her is Cher's father from Clueless, correct? The the attorney. Yep. I don't know the actor's name, character actor. Um, and I would not say, you know, um, Dan Hedaya, I would not say that uh, his character, Morton Cushman, um, is an older version of like Brad Pitt or anything. They don't even set him up as that. Uh, there's just a comfort level with the characters. The other men in this, Victor Garber and Stephen Collins. Correct me if I'm wrong. Stephen Collins was he the dude from Seventh Heaven? Yes, he's the one that uh, what he's basically been canceled for good reason. Was it like you. child pornography or something? Mm-hmm. That? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of winners is what I'm saying. A murderer's row of you know sexual beings as far as the the male cast members here. So I, I guess the film is just positing that you don't have to be, really look even halfway decent um, as a man, and you can have your pick of Jesus, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Elizabeth Berkeley. Am I missing one? What is? Is there another one here that? Uh, oh, um, Marsha yeah, Marsha Gay the Harden. Therapist. Yeah. yeah, the only one that I guess is maybe age appropriate, but certainly Elizabeth Berkeley off Saved by the Bell. Um, it's a little. What do you think of that? That she's supposed to be a sixteen-year-old, because at no point do I get that indication, and that's just, that's just a nugget that's dropped out of nowhere. Yeah, at the time of filming, she would have been like twenty-three or twenty-four, um, and I think at that point she was closer to Showgirls than Saved by the Bell, as far as how convincing yeah. she is. There are actually some dark tones when you think about this film in this in this. You know, full-blown, straight-up slapstick comedy for the most part, but, you know, a suicide, a, um, uh, you know, a man who's fucking around with a 16-year-old girl that's just, and these things are just kind of played up for the plot, and even like the, you know, I know we've not gotten to the end of it just yet, but when they open up that, uh, basically the domestic violence kind of a shelter, and I'm like, man, Uh, for this to be a comedy, there's some... (laughs) I really got some real world stuff to think about. Really here. did not care for. Uh, I'm not like Jared. I don't have soccer chanting behind me, um, but I do. You know, I'm aware of her certainly as uh, she's uh, Mrs. Bartlett, right? She's the uh, first lady on the West Wing, um, and uh, I don't know, Derek. Uh, let's see, Greece. Probably most people would go with that. Um, she's Rizzo, correct? She's the bad girl. Yes. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, like basically her being the um, the reason that these other women go on their quests after they are dumped is like, my God, it could have been me that killed myself because my <laughs> husband left me. Uh, I I I was kind of on my heels immediately. I don't know about you, Jared, but I, I thought this was just all mm. going to be like silliness, like a silly revenge, like let's – um, you know, let's set their possessions on fire. Let's like, mm. you know, tear up their car or something of that nature. And we open with one of these women that's of their age and beautiful and rich and accomplished, deciding that she's got no other option but to throw herself off her penthouse balcony. It <laughs> kind of made me hard to enjoy the uh, the goofiness of Diane Keaton and company after that. It sends the message that no matter all the possessions she has, really what she wants is just a man. <laughs> there we go. 
Thank you for listening. It's vital. To Sober Cinema. <laughs> it's vital to. It, it, it sends a message that men are vital in the uh, ongoing. <laughs> I, I didn't really like how he was looking at you, now, Derek, on that Zoom call. <laughs> He's selling his own vitality away. to us. <laughs> He's selling himself uh, right now. It will, you know, so it's it, it's a um, totally. It's just off. I mean, it's and, not, and, uh, <laughs> suicide's not fun. <laughs> it's not a fun topic to broach in the first couple of minutes of a film. So, hey, so, swan dive, awesome. <laughs> we go up from here, literally. So would it have been hey, better had they uh, continued to, to lean in the the why, i.e. like we're doing this, because, not because of our friend. I thought you were going another way, catalyst. saying that as they each continue to kill themselves off, like <laughs> a slasher movie. <laughs> Which of the first wives club will be left standing? <laughs> it is a very like scream esque approach, where uh, you know a fairly well known actress basically has five minutes of screen time and then she's gone, never to be seen again. Other than I guess that that you know that weird flashback story. Which is, a, you know, one of the things that I think you and I have talked about before on the grand gesture about, you know, some of these either dramas or even romantic comedies that we watch where it's like, okay, I know that this is, um, you know, promoted essentially for middle-aged women, but man, how narrow is that scope? Because now it's like middle-aged white women who are all essentially wealthy. Like, that is, like it, like all four yeah. friends in college and every one of them go on to be either an actress or your husband's like an advertising, like God, or your, your other husband's into like the tech industry. Man, it really worked out for all of you. I can relate to this story so that well. Was, that was my thought during the movie was like, these hijinks are not available to but 0.01% <laughs> of the women that watch this movie. I can't believe like, you all sold you got, my Lamborghini. <laughs> all you gotta do is know a movie star and... <laughs> And sell all of her shit, and you can finance any sort of Home Alone bullshit you want to do for your ex-husband. But they don't even, even the Home Alone stuff is not that interesting. Like, they they pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I I honestly thought that there would be more um, involved with the other women in some regards, but really Sarah Jessica Parker and Elizabeth Berkley are just there as... You know, maybe it's rightfully so as props to the men. Like, here's what I have now. This is my conquest. And they, for the most part, leave them out of it. I guess Elizabeth Berkeley's character, as Derek's already mentioned, just by virtue of uh, her relationship being illegal <laughs> with that man, is already doing the best possible uh, vengeance uh, that they can uh, inflict on this guy. But, um, like, I remember the trailers. Like, obviously, like... <laughs> I would have been 13 when this came out. I have no fucking interest whatsoever in the first wives club at all. I probably like really despised even having to sit through a commercial or trailer for it. And I remember one of the, the main like points that they hit on in every bit of the marketing was um, like Bette Midler uh, asking like her husband, like if he didn't have enough money to like buy the rest of the dress for Sarah Jessica Parker. And I think I had that in my head, like, Oh, this is just going to be like, they're, they're just going to take everyone down. Like, this is going to be like Samuel Jackson in A Time to Kill. And everyone, Sarah Jessica Parker is going to be Chris Cooper. He's just going to be in the way and is just going to get riddled with bullets. Uh, not really. They don't, they, maybe wisely, they, they don't really attack uh, the women as much as the men because really it's not, it's not their fault. The only one that is in that 
murky area is the therapist that is has both and Derek can speak to that probably a little bit more has both uh parties in her life like she is counseling to some degree this woman who's heartbroken and wants to get back with her husband while fucking her husband and yeah i don't know if she ever apologizes for that or if she just finds dine keaton to be mildly inconvenient that she happened to be in the same room like oh we have to do this now that's that's probably the worst one and i think they kind of just dropped that that thread yeah well it's it's a one and done and you know in i guess in some way like it should be the the thing i'm like oh incredibly offended by like i can't believe they'd have a you know a counselor in a film you know fucking around with someone However, you want to talk about like things that are unethical in my field? Uh, that's like one of the highest like, ethical violations that actually does occur is, you know, beginning a relationship with a client, as bad as that sounds. The, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, when you compare her to the other new women, the rest of them, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, for, for, for instance, while she's not like a fully, where there's not like questions about her age, it's like, well, she's she's just kind of lacking in awareness and a level of intelligence. And she very easily could just be exploited by this new older man in the same way that, uh, you know, Jesse Spano, uh, who is underage is being exploited. The therapist though, not so much like she's the one that actually wields some level of power and she is a fully functioning adult. And they really could have played in those waters a little bit more about like the, the malicious nature of this woman assisting in breaking apart a marriage um, you know, obviously, you know, her husband is, is the primary target here, but she's in that one scene, which again, is just dropped in the middle and then gone. We don't see that for the rest of the film. And if you're an audience, like that's the person you probably want to see. If anybody else is going to take a fall other than the husband, it's the therapist that messed up everything. That would have been more interesting. I've got a splat here. I think it's the top one on Rotten Tomatoes. <clears throat> it's from Rita Kempley of the Washington Post. Uh, it says, in the end, the first wives club even betrays its own bylaws. Revenge is a dish not served. Did Thelma and Louise make their sacrifice for nothing? So <laughs> Rita Kempley was wanting far more <laughs> carnage across the desert from the first wives club. And it is unfortunate that uh, really the only one who, I guess, suffers is Stockard Channing uh, from this. I. I don't even really like that third act turn that they, I guess they want to have like this, I don't know, boys club, except it's for women where you like anyone who's been cast aside can come hang out and they can swap war stories. But then it turns into this like domestic, uh, you know, abuse, uh, safe, like shelter from, I, I don't, it's Jared's like, laughing. Jared's least, laughing. Go ahead. At least, at least fun. YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's you know I I don't I don't know what how that connects to the Stockard Channing character because um, you know, Jared's kind of onto something. It it does even belittle like whatever she was going through in that decision. We don't know enough about her or her backstory other than the fact that her husband has left her. So no matter what else she has going on, uh, she has <laughs> she has the help. Uh, she's got her penthouse. Uh, <clears throat> she's rich. It does leave you with like, man, like does the first wives club need to be there just as like a, a dating <laughs> service so these women don't kill themselves? Like they've got to have another man <laughs> ready step into the it's, fold. It would have made more sense had it been like a crisis center for I don't know suicide. That makes a lot more mm -hmm. sense to me. But if you go back to like the tonally, the the stuff about the the, the tonal shifts here, if this is a 
a melodramatic film and it ends with them opening up this, you know, the shelter. That makes a lot more sense to me. But basically you're bookended by two somewhat serious things that you can't actually take seriously because they're you know, all these, you know, gags all the way throughout. You also have the, I guess, somewhat problematic perspective of if this is like a, you know, a long legacy uh, kind of fraternal order of women, <laughs> I guess, pulling up other women mm-hmm. because you have the first, 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 first wife from 1842 that's in this film. What it, is there a certain responsibility then, even though these are the other women in the film to like, you know, get with them and be like, hey, you're going to be next. Like, it's going to be your turn 30 years from now. You're going to follow this. Tra- Instead, there's training just... the next generation, like pulling Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker aside and be like, hey, it's it's all good now, but 20 Instead, years. Instead, they're like, hey, you dumb, you're a dumb bimbo, and we're going to get you to buy all of these things you don't need, idiot. One, one thought I had, Derek. Uh, actually, I'm going to play a little game here with Jared on this. Is where, oh. like... <laughs> <laughs> where sound like solids? <laughs> where are the mimbos in this? Like they're rich women. I'm sure that there's you know younger men that would like to be uh, taken care of in a way. Uh, certainly, when you know, I mean, Jared has at different points in this conversation has had Bette Midler uh, behind his head. It's a Zoom background now. It's Diane Keaton a cheerleading outfit. Um, I kind of <laughs> wish you'd go back to Bette Midler. I don't know if our guest feels the same. But I read that there was a like forty minute subplot that they had to cut this down, um, where Goldie Hawn's character did have a younger man as a boyfriend to, I don't know, maybe balance it out. It it would have like at least provided me some sense of realism. Like uh, I don't think these very successful rich women are just gonna take this lying down. They're gonna find something out there. Jared, can you g- give a guess? Like mid '90s, who would that mimbo be for Goldie Hawn that got cut out of the uh, the final film? Fuck, I have no. Just from who's in the film, I would have guessed uh, Timothy Oliphant. Oh, that's his, actually uh, that's cop- yeah, that's, that's a, a good, good guess. One. I I was in very serious take. Yeah, it was. <laughs> hey, I can be serious. I don't got jokes all the time. Yeah, Tay um, Diggs. It would have been Tay Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tay Diggs. Uh, that that would have been right in his like mid nineties. <laughs> He's the guy. I don't know if it would have been right in the mid nineties though. <laughs> when when did we do uh, How Stella Got Her Groove Back? Was that ninety eight? That's like ninety five. Between ninety five and ninety eight, something like that. May have been it's- typecast. He's the guy to to help out the as I said the older women and get him back on the horse. No, uh, not Tay Diggs, not uh, Timothy Elephant. We are going to go decidedly less handsome. John Stewart was the boyfriend what? of Goldie Hawn. Really? They got cut out. Yeah. That doesn't seem like boy toy. Uh, <laughs> no, it does uh, not. Material. I, no. I, would... I mean, he's smaller than Goldie Hawn. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> I'm just saying he's, he's not a very imposing, like romantic lead here. If you only had one now, male look, character, in the we can't tear down other men. We have <laughs> not learned anything from the first wives' club. <laughs> All of our little manlets are still men. <laughs> Dave, you wanted or Dave? That was a slip right there, Derek. You do you want bastard, to? Oh. <laughs> I was trying to set up a joke about your co-host. Well, well that couldn't. tears it, as Jared once said. <laughs> I'm done! Don't listen to him, Bobby! Oh, he's short. That's all I was saying. Like, all, our, our various <laughs> podcast associates are short, including Hiro. 
Very short man. But, well, she does. I mean, Bette Midler's character, and I wasn't thinking about this <laughs> oh. because you mentioned Dave, but Bette Midler's character does go to that, to the gay bar. Mm-hmm. And she basically says, like, for tonight, I've decided to turn. You remember when she like grabs that woman? Mm. Or is this a different movie I watched? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Keep but going. She's like, Either way. Because, <laughs> uh, you know. did you Diane watch this? <laughs> <laughs> Diane Keaton's daughter's there, and they're doing that whole thing. And then she starts talking to that one woman who had just recently, I guess, had a long-term relationship fail. Isn't there some joke that she makes about, like, you're coming with me tonight or something like that? No, so that's no the only... you're right. Because uh, I, I did watch this with my, my wife, and she didn't really have much of my comment. She didn't, like care for it um but she kind of raised an eyebrow uh because <clears throat> diane keaton finds out that her daughter is gay um and i think they dropped that in just to show that she's been sort of like just an absentee parent with like her own bullshit she's not been paying attention because the daughter doesn't bring it up as like this is like a coming out emotional moment it's almost like um, do you not get it by now? Like you're just like you're so unconcerned with what's going on with me. Like you're just copping your own bullshit. But towards the end, she outs herself to her father right before they go into <laughs> the the first wives club. Like I guess hall of uh, I don't know litigation they're going into as far as they're going to pay for their crimes. Uh, and she's just like I guess just to set him off kilter. She's like, yeah, dad, just want to let you know that I'm a lesbian, a big one. And my wife is like, what the, <laughs> what, what, what was that emphasis there? And then what does a big lesbian mean? This is when you get into the. Jared, what does a big lesbian mean? I'll be very quiet right I'm now. A, I'm, I'm a big lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. What were you saying? No, Derek, thank you for coming. That's <laughs> I know, I know where my bread is buttered. I know how to end the show. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I, this, I do have one great scene. Keep in mind that the music has played, and this is like the after party. But this is the post credit. That's it, right there. Did you not enjoy the slap? The slaps when they just open hand slap the shit out of each other, just at random. That was my favorite scene in the entire movie because it was just so unexpected. They're just talking, you know, random bullshit. These like really lighthearted insults that they're taking very seriously, and then just like basically put powder on their hands and just loved it. My, my thought was leave these women alone long enough, and then they start fighting, <laughs> trying to scheme. <laughs> Oh, who could have predicted? Uh, <laughs> Jared is already positing that you need a West Coast branch of the First Wives Club. You need to be East Coast. These women have to be separated. They can only communicate over telephone. Just drop melted butter and let them go, dude. Oh, too much wine. Here comes the physical altercation. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, my thought was, Derek, that you were not going to like uh, some, you know, my main criticism, which I, I thought Diane Keaton was really bad here. Like I, she, you brought up that she's always, especially in the comedic role, she's played neurotic. Um, and here, all of the women are neurotic about different things. Goldie Hawn, maybe her physical appearance, uh, Bette Midler, um, I, you know, you brought up the fact that she decided just on a whim just to, you know, try out uh, women for a change. Uh, seems like she just always needs confrontation. There's a moment where it's uh, it's very like old old style comedy where they're running from room to room trying to hide from one of their husbands and 
uh, I believe your co-host or the, the actor that you said looks most like your co-host on your list, my command. Bronson. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can, and I cannot, I cannot watch him without thinking about Dave the whole time. Hey, Bobby. Now do you care? He's um, trying to, uh, you know, help them with their their ruse or whatever. Um, and Diane Keaton is doing this weird, like, caterwauling thing up against the wall where she's like looking left to right. I, I don't know. I think it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work. Um, it, it's funny because the film that we often reference, the one that Jared and I unfortunately saw together with Jack Nicholson, Something's Got to Give. No. There's a lot of similarities between her performance here and there. I think it's just more about who are the other participants reacting to her that allows, it allows that to be kind of charming and funny uh, or here. I don't know. All of the characters, all three of them are already cranked up to 11. So I guess it's just pick your poison. She doesn't get, she doesn't have the, uh, you know, the straight man to really bounce off of here with that. Like all their energy levels way too high in those sequences. Doesn't kind of feel like, um, it's Diane Keaton playing Diane Keaton. Yeah. Like that's, it, it's like it someone, me of, like they know. couldn't get Diane Keaton. So they got someone to do a yeah. version of it. Yeah. She's dollar store Diane Keaton and, um, she's Kyan Deaton and, uh, it's one of, but I love her still all the same, but it's like when she showed up at the Academy Awards a couple of years ago in like the, the tie and suit thing, playing up like the, the seventies kind of thing that she had done. And it, it, it's like this movie. It's like she's doing those old school Diane Keaton things, but maybe it, it, maybe it's who she's playing with. You know, like you're saying, nothing to play off of. It just doesn't. Count. It's <laughs> I love too much. Imagine you watching the Oscars, being like, "Oh, Diane, this is beneath you. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> Stop groveling at their feet. Stop doing your Annie Hall impression. You don't need them. You're better than them. She doesn't need Goldie Hawn or Bette Midler in this movie. Oh, just, take, just make it. Take out the other women. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, now Derek truly is part of sober cinema. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got the best snapshot there, Jared. There we go. Ugh. Can't tell. Can't even tell. Stein. Yeah, it's just a fucking yeah. suit. Is all. That's all I can see. With a, with That's a handsome suit, mask. madam. Looks <laughs> like Jack Skellington right there behind you. Jesus, I, I'm still amazed that this is. Derek just gives Don Keaton a pass, a total pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I honestly, it, b- between Annie Hall and and I always get the the title of this film wrong. Uh, the Looking for Mister Goodbar. I think that I think that's the correct one. Um, I I watched that film at such a young age, which is far too, you know, kind of graphic for me to be watching. But I stayed up one night and I was like, oh, this is that woman from uh, Annie Hall as a nice teacher. Oh, like she has a different side of her at night when she's clubbing and bumping uglies with Richard Gere. And for some reason, after that, I was all in on her just to the day that she dies and hopefully I go first but um I love that I wouldn't woman. bet on that <laughs> alright right, Jared that's enough <laughs> I see we've got three and a half minutes left on the call but I can't I can't do it um Derek, thank you for doing this on short notice. I can't wait to text Dave and be like, man, if you ever need someone to podcast with, Derek's all over it. I did record with him today, and I tried to be a good friend to you. Um, I appreciate that. I told him. Uh, I don't believe it. I know. Well, <laughs> you may take it a different way. I don't know. Uh, I just told him, I'm like, why, just, why don't you just not do that show anymore? Why don't you just stop? <laughs> 